All right, so um, I'm sure many of you in here have had somebody in your life that you've been like, man, when that guy talks, I'm going to listen. He's just, he has that persona. He has that reputation. He's just that guy. My grandfather, he was that guy. Um, noticed ever since I was a child, when we were up at our folks' cabin and everybody was out messing around doing whatever, whenever they would come inside, and he would just listen. He would listen to all the conversations. He would ask some very pointed, regular questions, but they always had a purpose. His, his demeanor was always calm. And he, whenever he spoke, everybody just kind of stopped and listened to what he had to say. Because every time he spoke, it was meaningful, it was needed, it answered questions, it included everybody. It was just, wow. When he talks, we're going to listen. Because whatever he has to say, it's important. And the passages we're, we're going to read today, if you want to start getting there, in Exodus 18, we're going to be reading the chapter, Exodus 18. Jethro is also a grandfather. And from what I can get from the scriptures is that Jethro is a lot like the way my grandfather was. When he spoke, people stopped and listened. And he did it in a way that really gathered everybody in and it made you feel like, wow, okay, he's talking to me. He has something to say to me that's meaningful. It's purposeful. It's intentional. And I need to listen. And so I think today, as we go through this, we're going to glean a little bit from his knowledge and his wisdom as to how he, like my grandfather, him and Jethro, would speak to people and how they would give advice. So the title today is, Advice Given Well is Received Well. And maybe we can learn a little bit from the way they give advice and how they spoke to people so that people can receive our advice well. So we're going to start reading in Exodus chapter 18, verse 1, and we will go through the entire chapter here. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eleazar, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. Notice the respect there. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. 
Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that they had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and His laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you and will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men of, the, of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Let us pray before we begin. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together here so that we can glean from your wisdom, we can glean from your word, we can learn from you. 
And Lord, I just pray one main thing out of all that is said and done here today. I pray that You would be lifted up, that You would be glorified, and that You, and only You, would show forth in, in all that is said and done today. We love You so much, God. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, it's interesting here. Uh, the first half of the chapter is essentially Jethro coming from where he was at. He had uh, Moses' wife and his kids, and he's traveling, and then he meets up with Moses in the wilderness with the other two million Israelites, roughly, and goes into the encampment and then meets up with them, and they break bread together, they enjoy their time together. But what I really want to dive into is, is that next morning. That next morning when Moses is sitting down to judge the people. And that brings me into my first point, my first main point, is Jethro is sitting back and he is understanding the situation. He stops and takes a minute to understand what is going on here before he just casts judgment or casts his advice. So point one, understand the situation. Verses 13 through 16, you'll notice, he really takes the time to not just ask meaningful questions, but he takes the time to watch what's going on fully before he says anything. So verse 13 to 16, real quick. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. So the entire day had gone by before anything had been said to Moses. When Moses, the father-in-law, saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing with the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning until evening. He asked very meaningful questions. And Moses said to the father-in-law, Because the people come to me inquire of God. So then he starts to find out, Well, why? Not just what's going on here. Not just why is this taking so long. It's why is this even happening? And he gets the answer. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make known to them the statues of God and His laws. So he's not just takes some takes the time to understand what's going on. He really dives into why all of this is happening before he casts his advice. And I think we can take some, some gleaning from this a little bit. How often do we see our children doing something, our friends doing something, and immediately we're like, hey, you shouldn't do that, instead of just asking a question? Because it's not confrontational. It's just trying to understand what's going on. And to be honest, many of the times that we dive into a situation that we're not informed on, sometimes we make it worse. Because the person we're giving advice to, they need help. Most of the time, they need some sort of guidance or help. And when we cast our thoughts in there without knowing fully what's going on, now it causes them to question us. So now it's dividing their thoughts even more. And it's now throwing in another thought process that might just cause things to be more hurtful. But that's not what Jethro does here. He stops. He watches 
all day long, and then he asks meaningful questions. Once again, he understands the situation before moving on. And then, he doesn't confront what's actually happening. He confronts the why of the problem. And that's my second main point. He confronts the why of the problem. If you'll notice in verses 17 and 18, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. He doesn't stop there though. Because many of us would stop there and just be like, oh, you're wrong, but then leave it alone. That's not, that's not helpful at all. He goes on and says, what you are doing is not good. And here's the why. Why you're doing what you're doing is wrong. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So he dives into not just, hey, you're wrong. He says, and here's why. Here's why this is detrimental. Here's why this is a problem. And if we don't explore and figure out why the thing is wrong, then we're just arguing to argue. We're just causing this, this confrontation for no reason. When I see my kids doing something wrong that I see is wrong, many times I will start it with a question and then follow it up with, hey, so the reason why I'm confronting you with this is because this is what you're doing. This is why this is wrong. If you don't follow up with the why it's wrong, then we're just disagreeing to disagree. And the next main point is proclaim your intentions to accomplish their goals. Proclaim your intentions to accomplish their goals. And that's exactly what Jethro does in the next two verses. Verses 19 and 20. He flows perfectly into it. 19 and 20 says, Now obey my voice. I will give you advice. So he's proclaiming his intentions. He's saying, I am going to give you advice. It's going to happen. But, I'm going to do it to accomplish your goals. I don't have any skin in the game here. I'm going to do it for your goals, for your good, for your help. And hear what he says here. Verse 19 and 20. Now obey my voice, I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God, and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes, and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk, and what they must do. So, Jethro's telling him here, I'm going to... I'm going to help you with your goals. Because your goals, as you have stated to me, these aren't your, my words. These are your words. You said you're proclaiming God's word and there's statutes to your people. I'm going to help you with these goals. And I'm going to tell you, my advice is going to help you accomplish exactly what your goals are. And many times, we lose sight of that when we're giving advice to people. We've, we get muddled here somewhere in the middle. Even if we ask questions, even if we understand the situation, even if we know the why of what we want to accomplish, we don't fully comprehend or communicate that I'm here to help you in this advice. 
And I want you to know that this advice is not for my good. This is for your good. We might be able to do that well with our children, but when we confront other friends and family outside of our immediate family, sometimes it's difficult to go to them and say, hey brother, hey sister, look, I want to help you, and you told me that your goals are to do this, this, and this. My advice is this, and it's to help you accomplish those very goals. I'm with you in this battle. I'm with you in this confrontation. I'm with you in this issue that you're in. And I want to get you to where you want to go. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. Fourth point. Give clear instructions. Give clear instructions. Verses 21 and 22. Jethro says, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. So, he gives very specific, very clear instructions. He doesn't just say, hey, go pick some people to help you out with this problem. Because that doesn't really help. Because if he just went out and grabbed a bunch of people and said, okay, here they are. They're going to start judging people. Well, what if those judges didn't have the right characteristics, the right morals, the right values in order to judge well? Well, now you're just going to cause more problems because they're going to have problems with the judges that you just appointed. So, understanding the situation well and then giving clear guidance. And notice, man, the attributes that he decides to pick. Men who fear God. That's the first one. Men who fear God. If they don't fear God, we do not want them trying to teach and instruct the statutes of God unless they have a healthy fear and an, an, a knowing of who God is. Like that's first and foremost. They have to fear God. Who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Now those two things are kind of similar. Um, but one has a little bit more punch. Hate a bribe. So he doesn't want judges who are willingly and easily swayed by maybe being paid under the table. He wants people that fear God and so much so that they hate the fact or the, or the possibility that they might fall into sin and take a bribe to help out somebody else unworthily. Hate a bribe. Side note here. Totally off subject here, but how do you think Moses, how do you think he would know whether or not people feared God, were trustworthy, and hated a bribe? Reputation, maybe? I mean, there, you got two million people there. 
He couldn't know them all. So maybe it was the reputation. Maybe it was when he was going about throughout the people, saw their works, because he can't see their heart. Maybe he saw what they were doing, whether they were helpful. Maybe he, in their dealings, and from what he heard from other people, that people were upstanding with how they uh, handled their cattle, how they handled their um, affairs with other people. These are things that I think we need to hone in on that sometimes we just float over because the world is watching and when they see people they know some of our as Christians some of the things that we're supposed to uphold better than we do sometimes sometimes they're assisting with the Holy Spirit in our hearts as we're going through life and we make an oops. If someone sees it and points it out, it uh, really sticks a little bit harder in your soul. And maybe even he would ask them if they would take a leadership position. Maybe he would see what their reaction was. If he wasn't really sure, maybe he would have a, an interview process. Maybe he would ask them, hey, I'm thinking about making you a judge over hundreds of people. And maybe he would think, okay, well, if they dove right on it with super eagerly and like, yes, I want to judge people all day, all day long because so-and-so, uh, maybe that's the wrong guy, right? Not sure exactly what his process was. I'm not sure exactly what he... Um, what he did, whether he interviewed, whether he counseled, whether he looked at reputations, whether he just observed. But he found people that feared God and hated the thought of taking a bribe. So, last main point when it comes to giving good counsel, giving good advice. Explain the WIFM. I know, it sounds weird. It was a, it's an acronym that the military uses. What's in it for me? Or, in this case, what is in it for them? What is in it for them? Explain the WIFM. What's in it for me? So in verses 22 and 23, he explains beautifully exactly what's in it for Moses, and not just Moses, his people, and the goals that he's trying to accomplish. So, verses 22 and 23. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall decide themselves. So, and it rolls into the so, this is why, why this is good. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So not only will all these multitudes of people that are showing up every day go home every day in peace, you will be able to endure. You won't be doing this all day, every day, every night. You won't get worn out. But also, your goals of 
passing this knowledge on to these people will happen. And it'll happen much more efficiently. They will bear the burdens with you. Think about that for a second. They will bear the burdens with you. So, what was happening before, which what Jethro was observing, is that one man sitting and possibly hundreds of thousands of people gathering around him. Two people come up and say, I got a problem with him. And he says, well, I got a problem with him. And then he judges between them and sends one off happy and one off not so happy. Or maybe both are unhappy. Maybe both are happy. I'm not sure. But in that situation, he then proclaims some statutes of God. But there's only so many hours in a day. So at the end of the day, he may have seen 10 people, 20, 100. There's still hundreds of thousands of others that weren't seen. So they all go back to their homes at the end of the day, not being able to be seen by the judge. So they're unhappy. They're not in peace. They're still confronted with this problem that they have with their neighbor. And then Moses goes home that night exhausted, and he's tired and weary and saddened that he wasn't able to see all the people. He wasn't able to push out all of the good knowledge of God to his people. So both sides are having a problem here. And so Jethro perfectly puts in the, in the process here the whiffum, the what's in it for you, you and your people. And the fact that they will be able to bear that burden with you, not against you, but with you, you can take that burden of learning about God and disseminate that amongst the people and you can bear it together. And that is a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. So in order to, for us, when we confront somebody with advice, I would recommend you understand the situation, you confront the why of the problem, the meat and potatoes of the problem, you proclaim your intentions to accomplish their goals, you give clear instructions, and then you explain to them the what's in it for them. But why? What I just gave you was a very straightforward, very um, practical thing that we can utilize in our everyday lives that we can do whenever we talk to people and whenever we're discussing things with people and whenever we're going through stuff. But what's the piece of advice here? What's the overarching piece of advice here? The why of what Jethro was really trying to get at. He was trying to explain to Moses that there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There is wisdom in a multitude of of counselors. Even in Proverbs 11, verse 14, it says, In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Even in our court system, we have districts, we have states, we have federal, and then we have our Supreme Court. It's broken down into sections, and there's multiple of them. There's, there's a whole bunch of of the, the district court judges. There's a whole bunch of the state's court judges. 
Just like in his breakdown, there's a whole bunch of those judges that would be over the tens and even the hundreds. In our court system, then there's the federal, which there's many, there's fewer of them, but they have a bunch of judges under them, right? And then the Supreme Court, which passes judgments down and then it flows down to all the other courts. And in the same way here, he says the thousands, the hundreds, and the tens. He breaks down a system for them. Our democratic republic, we have city, we have county, we have state representatives, and then our, our Congress and our Senate, and then our judicial system. It's all intertwined, and it has many different sections. Now, I have to stop here. Because some of you are sitting there right now going, those are terrible examples. Those people are horrible at their jobs. What are you thinking? Why are you giving me this as a good thing? I've seen what the court systems do. This is terrible. Stop. I'm, I'm tuning you off. Don't do that. Just bear with me for a second, okay? Because can you imagine, can you imagine if you had a problem with a fellow buddy down the street from you, maybe where your fence is, maybe you built a fence on your yard. Can you imagine traveling to Washington, D.C. to go see one man, and he was the only man that could judge over what your conflict was? And then you'd have to stand behind the other millions of people that were trying to get the same counsel? And you're behind murderers and thieves and a whole bunch of slew of other sins that happen that are also placed within our laws. And you have to wait for days and days and weeks and months until you finally got in front of this one guy. That's what they were doing. After thinking about it like that, like maybe our system isn't so bad. Maybe it's not so bad. So, our church even is broken up in this, not exactly in this way, but it's close. We are broken up into elders, pastors. We have deacons. We have church members. We have community group leaders. All of which are broken into this hierarchy. I don't even know if I can call it a hierarchy, but maybe at the core of the word. It's, it works because we can disseminate what God's Word says. We can discuss it in a small group setting and more people can benefit from having decentralized leadership. Do the same thing in the military as well. And it provides oversight to one another. If one of the elders of the church wanted to do something that was against God's Word, he would have to get that he would be discussing with the other elders, and the other elders would most likely keep them in check. And even if they didn't, we only have one vote. As members of the church can easily say, well, no, y'all went crazy. You need to stop doing this. And we're all going to vote. And then when those votes get cast, if all four elders are the only four that voted for it, it fails and it doesn't happen. It's a beautiful system of checks and balances so that we can focus and stay true to the Word of God. That is the reason there is safety in an abundance of counselors. And that's exactly why he was trying to, Jethro was trying to explain this to Moses. Not just because there's not enough hours in a day, but because there's wisdom 
in a multitude of counselors. And honestly, it's very sad to see. There are many churches across this land right now that have a system in place where there is one pastor who has to bear the burden himself. And he has a multitude of people who all come to him with problems, all come to him with issues, all come to him with just regular logistics. Whenever there's a barbecue, whenever there's a get-together, whenever there's a Bible study, whenever there's a church service, he's doing it all. He's got to be the one to make the decision on whether or not we use black draping or red, whether or not we come forth with coffee over here or not, whether or not we use crackers or whether or not we have gluten-free options or not. He has to be the one to take all those small issues and he is confronted with these constantly and he's not able to sit and decipher the Word, to study the Word, to dive into it, to have time to get into the big issues that Moses would have to sit and filter through, work through, fight through. And there's pastors across this land that are doing exactly that. And you know what's happening? They're getting worn out. They're getting worn out. And it's not just the pastor. It's not just the individual pastor. It's the people too. Because then they're disappointed when what they were trying to fix or what they were bringing up to the church leadership doesn't get done in one either a timely fashion or it doesn't get done the way they thought it would get done or it didn't have a checks and balances and they just thought they were right. Or maybe the pastor didn't have time to sit and hear and understand and to fully understand the why of what the person's issue was because he had a bunch of other issues. So now the congregation isn't happy. They go away, not in peace. The pastor goes home, and he's been bearing everybody's burdens himself, and it's too much to bear. According to this verse, he'll get worn out. He'll get worn out. Which is why the way we have this church set up is a beautiful thing. Checks and balances, bearing each other's burdens. We all, from the congregation, supply the deacons, the elders, from within. We bear the burdens together. The community group leaders, the Bible studies, we bear it together. And it's a beautiful thing. So to wrap this up a little bit, if you're doing the practical advice giving, understand the situation, confront the why, proclaim your intentions, accomplish their goals, not yours, Give clear instructions and explain what's in it for them. And really don't get away from the why. The why here was to have a multitude of counselors. Whatever the why is in your situation when you're giving advice, stick to what the why is so that you get to the core of the problem. This is one of the many things that people liked about Je people like Jethro People like my grandpa from when we started. This is the way they spoke to people. This is the way they gave advice for years and years and years. That's why when my grandpa sat down at the cabin table and he began to speak, people stopped and listened because he followed 
the advice of Scripture. He listened and then He proclaimed. He listened and understood and asked meaningful questions. He listened to the people around them. And for us, as we go forth in this world, I would implore you to listen to people well. Ask meaningful questions. Understand where they're coming from. Especially the lost world. When we're going forth to proclaim the gospel, we have to have a little bit of that, um, that ability to speak into somebody's life. Because if you don't have the ability for somebody to listen to your advice about which car to buy, how to handle your finances, how to whatever, or just general life and giving advice, they're not going to listen to you about the biggest decision, the biggest thing that's harboring over every soul on this earth's life. And that is whether or not to believe in who Jesus Christ is. You've got to put some money in the bank to these people. You've got to un you have to give them some reason to listen to you. And the way you do that is you give advice well. You make them understand that you are for their good. You make them understand that you love them. You care for them. You care about their reasons why. You understand where they're coming from. And then you speak Christ into their life. And they take it and receive it rather than rejecting it. Because you gave that advice well. And if you give advice well, then ladies and gentlemen, they'll receive that advice well. And if they receive that advice well, then the Holy Spirit working through that can work in their hearts and in their souls. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we want to do. To proclaim the Word of God across this land. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank You so much. I thank You so much for Your Word, Your wisdom, how great You are, how powerful You are, and how wonderfully and perfect You are. And Lord, I pray that You would guide us, direct us. We are nothing, Lord. And I pray that You would Help us to see Your greatness in all that is done here on this earth. We love You so much, God. And if there is anyone here who does not know You as their personal Savior, I pray that, Lord, that You would work on their hearts, that You would soften their hearts, that You would open their eyes. Show them who You are. We love You so much, God. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.